it's that time of the week already, the time for debates and music and the time for discussions in society. But on this episode to start off, we discuss Spilligion, the collaboration project with the multifaceted members of Spillage Village. And if you haven't heard of them before, <laughs> trust me, you're really in for a treat. And we finally did the R&B debate, Brent Fayez, The Weeknd, and Bryson Tiller, as well as some other great mentions. And we, we go deep into that one. <laughs> but unfortunately, on the other side, we discuss Brianna Taylor, the young lady whose name has become a rallying cry for equality and social justice. And the, the verdict was handed down. And you'll see what we have to say, but without further ado, Transition, episode 28. Welcome to the Transition, episode 28. Demetri Williams, Alex Caprinci, back in the studio once again. We are here. Demetri is here. Alex Caprinci is here. This is eight weeks in a row. This is eight weeks in a row. We got some really good music to talk about today, which we we basically just did a, a mini podcast before we hit play, but <laughs> we're going to do it again just for you guys so you can actually hear what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this episode. How are you, how are you feeling? Now? How, how's the week go? What are, we, what are we feeling like on this Friday evening? So I got the traumatic news that Kimmy Moon has moved to her, uh, yeah. her restaurant on 63rd just to, Street. Just to give a little bit of color to this. So Kimmy is... Um, was i guess now a storefront owner near st joe's university where me and alex went to school and she has left that store and decided to open up her own store i think downtown somewhere which is and this sounds like oh this is a small thing but this is one of the people who are like stalwarts like bastions of a community that you never expect to leave it's like that little old lady that's lived on your block for like 30 years and then she, you know, moves or passes on or whatever. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, like Miss Lisa isn't there anymore. Like, that's basically what Miss Kimmy is. She's been there for like 20 years. She's literally seen people come in as children and leave as adults throughout their college career. I mean, has been a confidant to students, has talked to students about their problem, always making sure the deals were reasonable, ethical. She was she was a really good person. And Alex seemed to have a, a pretty special relationship with her. Um, not just because of her um, her pork fried rice or whatever he was eating from her, but just because she was really cool. Yeah, Miss Kim was one of the yeah one of my favorite people that I got to meet at St. Joe's. So good for her though; she got her own restaurant. So I shouldn't really be I shouldn't be sad, but it's just weird to know that she's moved on from uh, from where she is now. But shout out Miss Kim. She got her she got her own spot. She had to boss up. That's what I did. <laughs> she she leveled up, and I'm still where I'm at. So. She- <laughs> She leveled up, and I'm still trying to get dollar fifty five platters at uh, Bill's Market, even though that is uh, that's pretty crazy. But you know the prices are about to go up now, though. Yeah, Miss Kim, Miss Kimmy was the one um, keeping the, the keeping the prices in check. Bill's about to be like, all right, we're, we are about to start taxing. <laughs> Fried rice going from seven to fifteen dollars real fast. Honestly, we we're doubling up. Um, but yeah, so that was some sad news. Um, we have some other terrible sad news that we're going to talk about in the second half of this podcast today more. but um we're, we're going to start on a positive note like we always do with some music with some hip-hop we have honestly i think we have a lot to talk about today between the spillage village album between what we've been listening between this r&b battle that we <laughs> that we have been foreshadowing for i think two episodes now we're finally going to get into that and that's probably going to lead to another episode of like a full-blown ranking but all right where where should we dive in? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the R&B stuff? Do you want to start with Spillage Village? What, what do you think? You want to open up with Spillage? 
Yeah, I, I think so because we were yeah. just talking about that before we started. So I yeah. think that's that's pretty fresh on the brain. All right. So I, you, can I give a quick background as to kind of how this whole project drop the color, uh, drop the color came together? Yeah, let me add a little bit of a little bit of magic to the reading uh, rainbow. All right, check, we're gonna link the uh, the Rolling Stone article that I took a lot of this from. Uh, yeah. at the bottom of the podcast after this, but just to kind of add a little bit. So apparently, JID rented a house in Atlanta to basically work on what was going to be his. Uh, third studio album and then rona hit stay at home order started coming and basically the all the members of spillage village basically ended up living with each other for two months those members including let me i was gonna say who is spillage village what is spillage village is spillage village dreamville Maybe give a little background into that because yeah, so it is kind of confusing. Yeah, Spillage Village is quasi Dreamville. They were they uh, they were before actually uh, Dreamville, and the original members include uh, Earth Gang, which is uh, Olu and uh, Johnny Olu, and I should say Wow Great and Do- or Doctor Dot as he goes on stage. JID Maremba, and then producers Hollywood JB and uh, Benji, as well as who rapper Jordan Bryant and the R&B king himself black so mm, it's this kind of dynamic okay. dynamic cast dynamic group of sounds that has really evolved from what i believe is their first studio album which i think dropped 4 years ago now which i want to say i'm going to have to fact check that afterwards but to kind of get back to okay. it they rent they rented this house in Atlanta they all ended up living with each other for two months black ended up getting stuck in la so he flew out for the last part of that two months but it all kind of culminated in this revenge and you can kind of tell on the album actually that black wasn't like there throughout the whole thing (laughs) because for someone as good and prominent as him he didn't have a ton of i don't think inserts in this album just just uh just to add a little point real quick yeah, and it ended up basically culminating in this Revenge of the Dreamers style, just collective stream of musical and artistic consciousness. And think I, Dream, think Return of the Dreamers, think Poison from a few years ago, yep, that type of vibe. Just ideas bouncing off each other for two months, a lot of Monopoly apparently, and all this kind of culminated in the album that, that we got. Spilligion. Spilligion. <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, also, I'm not sure if Ari Lennox is a part of Spillage Village by association or just it was this one project that she decided to hop in. But she had a few appearances on this album, all of which were amazing. I'm a big Ari Lennox fan. I think- <laughs> I, I, I'm noticing that I'm, I'm pretty I'm, I'm standing her pretty hard. Uh, but, yeah, she she had some mentions. Um, other than that, I think you you captured pretty much every member um that was on here i mean in the in the first song if you want to call it that or skit uh you had appearances from desi banks you had appearances from people who aren't really musically inclined but they kind of helped to set the scene for what is a very soulful a very gospel-esque type of project but that also comes along when you get the beautiful music and sounds and instruments of gospel music they also insert some of the critiques of Christianity and critiques of religion as a whole and some of the things that makes it difficult to access and and makes it difficult to interpret sometimes. So it's kind of funny that you get music, which is like almost one of the best parts of religion, just how it makes you feel, the the mood it puts you in. And then you also get the other side. You get some of the doubts and some of the misunderstandings and arguments that come along with it. Um, And that's really from that first song, from that first uh, skit, they, they really get into that 
that whole dichotomy. So very interesting, very interesting album. Um, I'm not sure. Do you want to go track by track on this or do you want to kind of just get into the overall meaning of the project and kind of yeah. dive right in? I think we can just go over a couple highlights and yeah, I was going to say about. I have yeah, maybe I like three, four songs that I think were really good. Yeah. Um, and the rest of them are also still good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, of the 12 tracks, I only had problems with one of them. It was Mecca. I did not like the hook. <laughs> didn't like it either. Yeah, that was – I liked the verses were fine. I just didn't think the hook was very good. But other than that, yeah. I think they were 11 and a half for 12. My standouts, I loved the single Baptize. Uh, mm. Family, that track we just listened to in uh, pre-production with yeah. J.I.D. over – I think that was acoustic guitar. It was and, good. Yeah, his his ability to deliver kind of singing hooks – which is interesting because I didn't, I never really thought he'd be able to do that better than Cole. But I think I like JID's tone and melody over, uh, over especially soft instrumentals more than. I think his voice is. has a little bit more range than it's that softer. J Cole. Yeah. Exactly that J Cole's does. It can also it can go a little bit high too. I dream about money. You know yeah. that kind of like he hits the. I'm not sure what note it is because I don't do singing whatsoever. But he hits that <laughs> a little bit better than I think J Cole does. Um, and I mean, if you're thinking of like a four year eyes only, it's like it's it's J Cole. You know, kind of trying to insert that a little bit, um, even on past projects. But um, either comes off as very not necessarily flat, but kind of one-dimensional. Like, this is his yeah. voice. This is what he can do. He inserts a little bit. He doesn't go too far with it, but I think J.I.D. can he, – like, he has more range. That's that's basically yeah. it. I think rugged is the word for uh, for Cole. It's just mm-hmm. kind of un, unrefined. And... It's, like if a, it's, it's almost like the type of singing you expect to hear from, like, someone who wasn't quite a singer but, you know, was interested in singing, and you ask them, you yep. know, maybe 10 years past their career to try and bust something out. That's what J. Cole sounds like. He sounds like a retired singer or yeah. something like that. Someone who didn't quite make it. <laughs> and to just to just add on to that uh to that Jid comment, he had a great uh a great kind of melodic song off of Revenge to Ladies, Ladies, Ladies with a uh, mm-hmm. tip, which illustrated I think exactly what you said, his soft and vocal range really well. But to kind of go on, Cupid I also enjoyed a lot, featuring yes, Lucky yes. Day, who is one of my favorite younger R&B artists now who just recently released a project that was really good that I'm sure we'll talk about uh that we'll talk about at some point. And then finally, End of Days, the single was incredible. End of Days, say bye-bye. Yeah, really good. Really, and, really good. Yeah. And then Happy, which we talked about pre-production as well. And I I think is still probably my favorite song of 2020 so far. Between the instrumental, the vocals, the vocal layering, and the harmonies on this piece of music. The only way to really describe it is just like beautiful or gorgeous beautiful. or something like that. Yeah, it's it was a it was a masterpiece of a song. Honestly, the fact that they and they dropped it what was that second or third to second last to song last on track. the on the oh my I mean they buried the lead so deep in this album. I mean the, I, honestly, like you had to listen to the whole thing to get to that song. It is like you said, probably the best song of 2020. Just I mean, if you even strip away the lyrics and you just put on the instrumental for this, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. just the the beginning to that shift to in the middle. With um, I think it was, was it Jordan Bryant who was singing in the middle, or was it Johnny else? Venus? Johnny Venus singing in the middle of it, about two minutes in, just so soulful. It gives me almost, it's almost giving me like um Stevie Wonder type vibes in, Donny in a way. Donny Hathaway, Stevie yeah. Wonder. I don't know, it, it old school nineteen eighties like R and B music, almost um. 
Gil Scott Heron. I'm not sure if you know who that yes. is. Kind of gives me those type wow. of vibes, right? Pieces of a man type of yep. uh, of stuff here. Really, really good. Um, also, Gil Scott Heron is an amazing artist. Um, found him in high school, actually, for some odd reason. But he has a really good album. I forgot what it's called. Check it out. Um, if you want to kind of hear some of the inspiration, I think, behind this album, because it sounded really similar. It was giving me flashbacks in a way. Um, and then you switch right back to that amazing, amazing opening. It was just... It was it, it was amazing. It was it was a really good song, and I think it was a collaboration song done right. There was harmonization, there was yes. unity, there was alignment across all you know four artists, four or five artists that were on this song, and it it just sounded great. <laughs> it sounded yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, Dimitri. My thing is too on a lot of these collab albums, they don't feel like albums. They feel they end up feeling like playlists, which is what Revenge of the Dreamers ended up feeling like. Mm-hmm. And that's why I give this album a lot of credit. And I think it really helped that they ended up just locking themselves away in a house for two months and just kind of vibing and gelling like that. Because this sounded like a cohesive, cohesive album. Mm-hmm. This sounded of- like it, it came from a group. Yes. It sounded like these people have like, okay, like we're like a 12-man team um, who just do this all the time, but really they're actually all individual rappers who obviously have a great relationship um, musically, and they came together and made art. Really, this this was crazy. Um, probably, I mean, is it far fetched to say this is the best collaboration album of like the past ten years, like large collaboration album? Because I can't think of any other ones that are, were like. I mean, Revenge of the Dreamers was okay. Um, I love but, this album. I I would co-sign that. Yeah, I mean, Re- Revenge of the Dreamers was okay. Poison was okay. Um, I mean, you have those kind of three three man albums that are kind of collaboration, but kind of not. Um, but but this this is up there. I mean, even if you're talking about like little two man albums, like you know, a Mai Tai or a World on Drugs, or you know, um, yes. that 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 um, a Future and Drake project a few years ago, this this knocks all those out of the park. I mean, all those sound like you just like you were saying, playlist albums or artists that were independently great, kind of coming together and dropping into a song, rather than this that was like I said, just a very unified project. It was it was really good. Um, I was saying to Alex, just so we, it's not going to be all praise for me this episode. Uh-oh. I was saying to Alex that lyrically, I didn't, I wasn't finding a lot of depth and impact in this album so far. I've only had, you know, two, three listens or so. So I have to go back and, you know, do, do some genius researching, do what I did for uh, good kid, mad city, a few episodes, actually, you know, maybe do something similar. Deep and I'll dive. probably find the deep dive and I'll probably see that this album is actually amazing and that they lyrically put a lot of thought into it. Um, but on initial listen, it, it didn't kind of hit me in that way. It was like, you said, man, maybe that was just because the production, the vocals, the harmony, the, just the overall side. I mean, I felt like I didn't have to think about anything when I was listening to this album. I could just turn my brain off and enjoy the musical experience. And it's different yeah. from a garbage kind of experience, like a Playboy Cardi or something like that, where the lyrics are terrible. And you're like, okay, Pierre Bourne production, please save me. In this case, it's just like, it, the production is so good that it's like the lyrics in a way just kind of meld into it. They become a one-to-one experience and you don't know when the, the vote, well, you don't know when the lyrics are the, the show and are number one in, or versus when the production is, is taking the first place. It's just kind of a beautiful mixture. And maybe that's, maybe that's a great thing. Maybe it, uh, that that's just one of the layers of this album and I just need to get to the next layer, but yeah, really, really good. <laughs> I don't think it can be overstated how uh, how beautiful these instrumentals were. Was there an 808 to be found on this project? I didn't hear any. 
<laughs> it sounded like all and kind of from the from the article that I read, it sounded like all in-house live instrumentation, which is my it's personal crazy. favorite kind of it's my favorite kind of music. If you want to rap over that, I love that much more than any 808 or kind of uh drum kit that you can find. But, and you know, when I was listening to this album, and I need to go back and listen to this other one I'm about to mention so I can really see if there's alignment. I I wonder how comparable this is to Jesus Peace by the game um, that you were talking about um, last episode. I, I wonder if between just the, the sonically the the sound and then also uh, message wise, I don't know. I feel my gut feeling is telling me there's some type of overlap there, but I, I might need to look into that. But yeah, like you were saying, I mean the instrumentals were amazing. Like it's all sounded in house. It didn't sound like they outsourced this beat to some random producer in like you know Kentucky to to throw something on there. Um, it was just a really good project like you said and same for me pretty much i co-sign all those songs that you listed off i'll pull up the the track list real quick just to um look through it one more time but yeah. family was amazing that judas i also thought was very good did you um, enjoy was, the chance verse i did enjoy the chance verse. i thought it was um, solid <laughs> uh, which is so great i'm glad chance came back um with something decent um after you know we were kind of uh pooing on him a little bit a few weeks ago um but that, that was a great song ari sounded amazing as she always as does usual. ari lennox as usual um i also really like ocean um with six lock that's one of the 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 projects or not the projects one of the songs that i um yes. actually it seems like he was only on two it was on ocean and cupid and that was it and for artists so prominent you thought he would probably be on everything similar to how jid was it felt like he had you know his, his hands were all over every song but anyway um yeah i really like that end of days the single came out we we already knew that was going to be amazing um and it's it's funny because as i'm looking back through their albums it all seems very none of them seem as meaningful or purposeful as this one does i mean bears like this bears like this too and bears like this too much are the names <laughs> of their past three albums from 2014 to 2016 and you get that and it's like uh, you know that's that's kind of like okay i guess but you see there was a break after the 2016 bears like this too much and now coming back in 2020 four years later with this project which is I'm, I haven't listened to Bears like this too much, but I'm going to guess that this is vastly better than that, right? Like, I'm going to guess that this is amazing, and that's okay. Um, so it's it's cool. I think they really evolved with this. And like I said, this is something, this is the best collaboration album I've heard in the past 10 years from what I can think of right now. I don't, I don't really think of anything else that comes close to it. So Yeah, I want to push back Spilligion. on you. I want to push back on you lyrically a little bit. I, okay, I, fair enough. Yeah. And I, I've only listened to it once as well, so I could be, I could be off. On Maybe he take. just has a better ear than me, folks. Maybe that's just what's I, going on. That is not true, but I'm gonna keep going with my point. But okay. what, what, uh, I think this was kind of an album that fit this moment really well, as far as hmm. giving, giving people something within within quarantine to contemplate, whether that be relationships, their relationship with God, how their relationship with women, their relationship with their significant other. I thought how they laid a lot of these tracks out and the things that they left the listener kind of wanting to think about and wanting to contemplate was particularly in this moment and particularly kind of even with the end of days track, contemplating the end of the world, what the what the hell's going on with 2020, thinking about these big moments and how that can affect your relationships or how that can affect your life. And if everything ended now, would you how would you feel about yourself so i don't know how would you feel about yourself what would you do what would you prioritize and then you have 
I'm sorry to cut in on you, but no. I just, that, that's such a great point that, I mean, and you had some people on that song that, you know, I'm thinking about my mom, I'm thinking about my family, X, Y, and Z. And then other people are just like, I'm thinking about those same things. But if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on top. I'm going to go out with a bang. I do. I want to get, you know, X, Y, and Z, all these worldly pleasures before I go. And it's like, that's some of the things that people I had to contemplate in this past yeah. 2020. Cause it's like, is the zombie apocalypse about to start? Like what is going on here? Um, so yeah, great point. Great point. Yeah. So that's, and that's kind of the only thing that I wanted to say, because I think, I think everything you said was completely on point. And also I wanted to shout out uh, Johnny Venus or Olu, who is Ooh, one, shout one, out. yeah, one half of uh, Earth Gang, who from when I saw him the first time in 2017, I want to say at a JID, at the Never Story tour has evolved as an artist and evolved as a singer like mm. no other. And I think he was really the, uh, the one on this project that, shine the most to me with his vocal ability as well as a lot of his yeah. bars and rapping ability vocal ability for sure I, i've never really heard of him before this but i mean put me on notice now that that's someone i actually need to look out I gotta for get and listen you listening to. to earth gang projects you do you do i gotta go listen to to bears like this bears like this too and bears like this too much yeah. to get uh, some um some earth gang vibes and also there there's stuff that they do outside of spillage yep. village too Ro- road to um, mirrorland is uh is out now if any of the listeners have not listened to that go check that project out it's incredible listen to it now um all right, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I had to say with it. Um, I'll probably leave this one at like an eight. Um, I want to say eight point two five. Um, it's and I think that's probably the highest ranking I've given out. Like I think maybe Nas's um, Nas's album was eight, maybe eight point five, something like that. So it's neck and neck. It's right there. Um, I am going to talk about another album this um, in the same show that I think also challenges for that spot of number one. But we're going to get into that in a second. But yeah, that's where I'm leaving this one so far. Yeah, I put it in. I, I don't remember what I put the Nas album. I put this a notch above whatever I ranked that Nas. Whatever album. you ranked it, this is a step above it. <laughs> so okay. I'm thinking like an eight point five or eight point seven five. I'm is hoping Lancey I didn't Foe's give this a nine. friend or foe challenging this for album of the year or, or this, this supersede that? Because that mean, has some crazy production in its own right. It doesn't like overall. It doesn't just meaning and stuff, but production wise, that album was kind of crazy. <laughs> If you throw on Slow Burn, that competes with any track off of any album of the past ten years. <laughs> It's when you get when that guitar oh, riff man. comes in and the 808 it's, drops <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy i was um, listening to that in my car the other day and i thought my car was going to explode <laughs> i'm gonna say did we ever rate the lancy foe album i'm not sure we never did i don't think i'll probably put that like a 7.5 that album was actually pretty good Strong um, just because it's just because it, oh my god just because it superseded <laughs> my expectations so much um if you haven't if you guys haven't listened to that Go check it out. Go check out the music video as well. Me and Alex did like a, I don't know, almost like a listening party to a bunch of songs yesterday in preparation for this week's topics. Um, and the music video is very organic, very interesting. And he's he's just a really interesting artist. I I desperately want him to come to the United States so he can just meld with some of the art, other artists over here. He will be a star. There's like no yes. question about it. If Lancey Foe, I mean, got on like a Young Thug project or just, just something where he could really kind of show his style... It, it'd be over. He's he'd be as big as your Playboy Cardis, as your Trippy Reds, as your you know whoever. Um, the dude's talented. He really is talented. Whoever's making this production, I'm not sure if that's him or somebody else. You need to get them over here too because it's actually very interesting. Pure born. <laughs> it might be honestly. Yeah, it's very pure born influence. It sounds like, but it's it has a twist almost to it. Um, oh, why are we talking about Lancey Fall in this podcast? Moving on to the next topic. Back to He's Dreamville. Yeah, back to Dreamville. Exactly. Um, but before we go to Dreamville. 
we got we have a little R and B to discuss. We have a debate to settle. We've been talking about this for a few weeks, I think. Um, and just to set the scene, if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, you should. But you know, whatever. You go um, back. Yeah, go back. How dare Turn you? Turn this off now. <laughs> um, and the, the I'm not sure if we brought it up during a show or if it was pre-show, or whatever. But we brought up Brent Fiez versus The Weeknd in terms of who is the better R&B artist. And overall, I mean, because I think those two are basically at the top. So who is at the top of R&B right now? Who has the the best singing um, voice, the vocal ability? Um, and one thing I'm thinking of now, we actually weren't including females in this. So if we, if we throw them Ari. in, it becomes a whole other argument. Yep. Ari, Ari might take it, honestly. Um, her range is incredible. If you, And if you don't believe me, just go back and listen to, to Shea Butter Baby. It's it's like a wash. But if we're talking about the guys, <laughs> if we want to just put them in their own pocket, um, with Brent Fires, The Weeknd, and I think we were saying Bryson Tiller. Like, were, were we saying that's the three Like that, that we're kind of going to debate? Or So or I got back saying, and thought um, again. Brent versus The Weeknd. <laughs> and, and Frank Ocean's got to fall into that mix, which is scary because that might uh... – yeah, I'm that mad kinda, that I left him out. I'm yeah, very mad kinda, at myself that I that kind of that kind of puts my Brent take in a little bit of, on a little bit of thin ice, kind of like Titanic scene where yeah. where Jack's trying to get on the uh, trying to get on the door or whatever. He might be drowning, but yeah, uh, Frank might take Brent's spot. Honestly, um, yeah. I leave any? Oh, and uh, Anderson Pack. That was the other one that. Oh, geez, this is tough. This is tough. This is really tough. I mean, and the way Johnny Venus was was doing what he did on this album, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Earth Gang. I said this two years ago, and I'm gonna say it again. Earth okay. Gang is the best group, and I said out of Atlanta back then, but I'm just gonna put generally now since Outcast to uh, to base to do it to exist, yeah, to do what they're doing. I don't think there's a better group out there as far as hip hop goes, R and B. I'd have to do more research, but pure hip hop, I don't think. I don't think there's a better. Uh, there's a I'd better argue band. that they're not even pure hip hop anymore. The way they're branching out, it sounds like they're almost going into an R and B direction, or at least a lot of R and B influence. Um, but I, I think I might have to agree with you that I can't think of another group right now that is. Yeah, a lot of soul, exactly. I can't think soul. of another group that is as good as them. But back oh, to man. Brent. Okay, so yeah, but. <laughs> Exactly. Back, uh, back to Brent. Back to uh, back we to business. Twenty five minutes in. What are we thinking? <laughs> so I think I just want to. I don't even want to argue. I think I want to pose a question to, uh, or at least pose a thesis to the listeners. In that, I think you could easily argue that Brent Fias is the best uh, R and B act out there right now, as far as from a pure R and B perspective, and is wildly underrated relative to the party next doors of the world relative to the weekends of the world relative to the bryson tillers of the world i don't think there's a sound out there that is better than what brent has been doing for the past basically since 2017 i got a fact check when when his first album came out i should say since 2016 since am paradox that ep dropped in 2016 i don't think there's been anybody that's been doing it better than what Brent has been doing. And an interesting thing that we talked about yesterday, as far as the rawness of his content, re- uh, relative to somebody like The Weeknd, who we also listened to, relative to a Blinding Lights. And I listened to an interview. I actually listened to that uh, uninterrupted episode, I believe, as well yeah. as a Rolling Stone uh, interview with Brent. And what we'll drop really, those links down below. Yeah, we'll put those down below. But what makes the difference, and I think what's really cool about Brent is he says, 
he makes music for himself and it just happens that people enjoy that music. The Weeknd and Party Next Door now at this point in their career <clears throat> sound they're like they're making music for other people. They're making music for other exactly. They're making music for other people. I don't think they're making music for themselves. And that rawness and that just like I do not really care about what the consumer wants. I'm going to make what I feel like is art and what how I want to express myself. I think that puts him on another level and his sound and the product that he produces. I think really shows that. And what did you think of the couple tracks that we listened to uh, yesterday? I thought that he's like he's an anti he's a, he's like the anti-hero of R and B. Like it's yes, it's very really interesting that he switches it up. He switches up the vibe um, and and the content and the tone and depth of his lyrics to be a lot different from his contemporaries. Like in a lot of the songs, he's saying, "I won't take that girl back. I won't go back with her." If it was the choice between you and me. I'm choosing me. Yep. <laughs> like, you Great know, track. it's a lot of it's a lot of not simp vibes. <laughs> you want to know the interesting thing about what he said in that uninterrupted episode, though, is is Brent does not consider himself an uh, R&B act. I believe he said something along the lines of I'm a black man that can sing. Therefore, I'm considered R&B, which he doesn't believe that that uh, that he that that box should even exist. He says you have what's expected of him is basically you have this simp genre box you have this street type of box and then you have people that make music for white people is the way that uh is the way that he put kind of those three artistic buckets and he says he's trying to walk all of those lines you can't just necessarily put him in one of those buckets he's not really artistically uh artistically boxed into any of those content uh Content buckets. types. Yeah, content yeah. types. Which I think the prime example is Rod Wave, who falls into that one simp. Ex- <laughs> yes. That can't really Little Street. Little Street. He's bouncing between both, I'd say. Yeah, but primarily I think he'd be known for kind of that uh simp music bucket, basically. So the cool thing about Brent is he walks this line of he's not necessarily this pure R and B type singer. He's a little bit of everything and it shows in his music and his genre bending makes him this unique sound that <clears throat> I think kind of puts him at the top as far as R&B goes. But And Frank does the same kind of thing, which makes the discussion difficult. But Yeah, they're style benders. They aren't boxed into a certain category or into a certain lane because their music is that diverse. And when you look at the – I mean – and The visuals. I guess the visuals, exactly. I was going to say – and I'm not sure if you want to attach this to the music as well, because I'm not sure if he was like in charge of art direction or you know uh, videography or whatever. That was somebody else's kind of you know influence, similar to how Cole Bennett does videos. It's not necessarily you know Little Mosey doing yeah. the video. It's Cole it, Bennett kind of directing it and, and doesn't taking advantage. Feel of like an R&B video though. Like it doesn't saying. exactly, and that's the thing. It doesn't feel like an R&B video at all. And if you listen, if you watch these videos in conjunction with the song, you'll see what he's talking about. These are not R&B type videos it it doesn't fit what you would typically classify as an r&b music video when you go back and look at exchange with bryson tiller and you see him touching on the window looking out it's bouncing back and forth between this girl like in her room like walking and talking and and all that type of stuff you think about the weekend um and and his songs that he is putting out you think about party next door and his kind of vibe that it's always very dark and contemplative his face is often um you know obscured by something else and it's always it always has that vibe to it um brent he's walking through like the streets of soho chilling with people i mean looking like he's homeless smoking cigarettes in a mosh pit like doing all types of crazy you know free-spirited stuff and 
when you juxtapose you juxtapose that with the actual song if you say just watch the visuals to this and then listen to the songs after you're like these shouldn't be connected like these are not the same thing here um it, it doesn't fit but that's who he is uh like he's saying and he and it's cool that his his interview really verified that he is not trying to fit into one lane he's trying to do a little bit of everything um maybe it's purposeful that he wants to do that or maybe that's just how it came out but He's definitely more than just an R&B artist, but just because he is so capable of singing, I almost have to put him, like he said, you almost have to put him in that that bucket because it's like that's that's what he's going to be known for, right? Like that's that's his thing. That's his calling card. Um, lyrically, I don't think it, it's that crazy, like to be honest. I think it's it's his vocals that are, are primarily the focus of the music. I, I haven't listened to enough of him to maybe stand on that point uh, solidly, but so far it's like, okay, like he's a really, really good singer. He's not fitting into the R&B box as classically as, you know, A Weekend, Party Next Door, et cetera, et cetera, people I mentioned. Um, and he's he's branching out of that. And and that's kind of where it stops for right now. So I would I'm, I would be very interested to see because you said his first project was 2016. Like he's only four years in, very experimental as well. I would say it seems like he's his style is still developing. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But if we're judging him just based on that R&B bucket, I'm he's I mean it, 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 he's still like a top five option honestly right now. It's, it's nobody's great, which making kind of crazy. Yeah, nobody's making better music than uh, than Brent right now. I don't think not not by much. Um, if no. if you do prefer it, it's like okay, like it's like a pick 'em. Like okay, which one do you prefer? Um, apples, oranges. <laughs> you know, both it's, good. It's, it's, it's opinionated, right? So, yeah. um, that's why I have to say about him. The weekend. All right, like we all know who the weekend is. He's been making music for like the past what ten years or so, maybe seven ish. Um, since I was in high school, at least forever. Um, yeah, t- he he's the he's the. He's the grandfather of it, it feels like, at least now. Like, I'm not sure when he received the mantle from whoever was before him, but it seems like everyone has kind of put him like, okay, The Weeknd is the pop, R&B, singy, hit-making guy. Like, that's who he is. He's definitely the grandfather of dark alternative R&B, I would say, as far Mm -hmm. as what the trilogy looks like, House of Balloons, all that kind of stuff. He was, and I probably have to do more research, I could be wrong is this, but he was the one that kind of put me on as far as super dark nasty kind of sexual and grimy uh r&b alternative r&b i mean and that's the thing for our generation like he is the one previous generation obviously that was somebody else um which you can debate until you know forever but um and and you know what you're getting with the weekend like you said it seems like he's making music to check boxes rather than um maybe tap into some of his more organic original roots which is what we say with every artist of course well not us specifically well is what people say with every artist like oh i i miss the old kanye i miss the old drake i miss the old j cole whatever um but with the weekend this is prominent because you can see he's getting more and more pop he's getting more and more palatable and digestible i would say by the masses whereas it seemed like he had a cult following at first if i'm not mistaken like with house of balloons like you were saying um and yeah like that's the direction he's going in which is fine i mean we see pretty much most artists that get super popular go in that direction. Drake is in that direction right now. Secure the bag, my guy. <laughs> Secure the bag, exactly. Um, and, you know, they kind of get away from things. And maybe that's just how their music develops because of, you know, the, the influences around them and what the people want. And we talked about this like three episodes ago. So if you want that whole discussion, go back and listen to that. But that, that's that's where he is. So in a way, I almost feel like I'm almost tired of the weekend because it's like, all right, like Brent Fies is at least bringing something new to the table. You are kind of just like regurgitating the same old, same old stuff. 
And it's just like, okay, it's going to stop penetrating at a certain point. And the lyrics meanings, once you kind of say the same thing over and over again, are going to stop. It's, it's going to stop being interesting. Alex wants me to say pause because I just said penetrated. But I'm, I'm just going to keep going. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's over how I feel about them. And also, I am not the R&B person on this podcast. That is Alex. That is, that is his wheelhouse. But R&B is better than hip-hop. <laughs> I take. That's just kind of my thoughts as, a, as an outsider looking in. I do not agree with that hot take. But, you know, that's, Ooh, that's with me. Debate for another day. Debate for another day. Debate for another Brent's day. Also when, uh, Brent's, al- Brent's also an independent artist. So that's the other thing that I think yes. really affected his, and you uh, can tell. his come up. Yeah. So after after Crew kind of came out, after Gold Link really put him on in 2016, he threw him on uh, He threw him on Crew. Best song of 2016. Top uh, top 10 song in the past five years, but that's fine. Um, Hands down. Sh- Hands shout down. Out, not, I don't think that's an argument. Yeah, shout out Gold Link and Shy Glizzy. But You see money on the <laughs> <laughs> that song live that may be my favorite song i've ever seen live maybe ever he oh you saw that live i saw gold link in u street music hall in washington dc with probably a hundred other people it was this small tiny like grimy little underground grimy. place and it was it was crazy he just did uh oh my god what's that album called at, at what cost i believe he dedicated mm-hmm. three nights in a row at u street to his uh three albums that he'd released at that point and we went to the at what cost show and it was it was incredible i think gold link's kind of whack since since uh since what he said about mac miller recently what do you say about mac miller he said some disrespectful stuff after he died but oh that's corny why would you say that corny yeah but that's a discussion that's, that's corny that's a discussion for another day but i don't understand why people do that like once the artist passed away now you have all your grievances that you want to list off why yeah. did you say this when he was alive yeah. <laughs> like, don't don't air out your trash when people of people are going yeah, to the other that's, side yeah that's that's pretty terrible he um, caught a lot of blowback for that but yeah yeah, interesting. But, yeah, but back to just to kind of finish off with uh, with Brent. He was offered a number of record deals after that yeah, 2016 sure. uh, kind of debut onto the mainstream scene. Turned them all down. Released his own album. I think self funded for like thirty thousand dollars. Made the thing, Dope. and now uh, and now he, he is where he is. And I looked the other day, and his most recent song, "Dead Man Walking," I believe, is like top thirty on the uh, on the charts right now on Apple. Top thirty, yeah, really? Wow, that that climbed fast. Because um, that really just came that really just came out two what, weeks ago, a week ago, two, or yeah. two weeks ago. We talked about that. Nice. That's that's really dope. Um, I will say also for Bryson Tiller because I kind of want to just throw him in here because we're we're going through all these people going back and listen to Bryson Tiller. What do, we, do you remember what we were we were kind of talking about yesterday about him? I I, I want to say that my my main kind of point with that whole thing was that it, it just kind of felt going back and listening to a few songs from that project. Definitely nostalgia played a role. I'm gonna say because I was listening to it, I'm like. Was this really that? Are you about to disrespect Trap Soul? No, not at all. It's a, it's a great album. I still stand by what I say by it, that it was one of the classics of the past ten years because of what it did. But looking at it with my ears now, I'm like, okay, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not. It's not. It's it. it uh, is it timeless? No, not. It's, it's not timeless. Um, it's not in that category. But it does hold up well, but not as well as I thought it would. I'm like, okay, like he was good, but he's if it okay. I'll say it this way: if you had to take 2015, 2016 Bryson Tiller and put him up against current day Brent Fias. I think Brent Fias is better. 
I think Brent makes better music. Yeah. It, there you go, right? But the thing is, Brent has evolved out of that trap sale See, era, which is like, it's it's to his advantage, you know, and, in a way. And because, I don't know if I can say that either, though, because Bryson made an album that has two, like, smash records on it between Dalt and Exchange. And Brent hasn't been able to done that, been able to do that, I should say. So, I don't know. And that was, yeah. that was Bryson's, like, first thing. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm even able to, like... I mean, you could critique. say which one you prefer. Yeah. I mean, whether it's, it's a hit is a hit, but yeah. it's like a good song like, is also a good song. Clearly the masses preferred, uh, preferred one to the other, but yeah, clearly, clearly whether that's right or wrong, you know, we can always debate. It's usually wrong. Um, but, <laughs> yes. uh, Thanks. yeah, if, if you compare those two, it's like, I, I, I kind of almost prefer Brent. Like, I feel like it's a pick him. Like maybe Bryson wasn't as good as I remembered, but when we listened to that newer Bryson song, I was like, he got better. Like, he definitely got better. You you would think that, like, okay, like, if I just get that same Bryson from 2015, 2016, it would be okay. But in a yeah. way, like, if he came up with, like, a Trap Soul 2 and it was the same thing, I would kind of be disappointed, I think. Like, I needed his muse to take that step forward, and it it kind of sounds like it did. Yeah. <laughs> like, Note to, he sounds better. Yeah. Note to self sounded like a Trap Soul 2, and that's why I didn't enjoy uh and that's that maybe why a lot of people didn't like it. You know, they were expecting yeah. that next step and they didn't get it. Um, they just got more of the same. Um, and that's a t- and full circle. Bring it back to weekend. Testament to him and his longevity. Right, he's been able to basically stay at the top of this kind of dark R and B genre for like the past decade. It feels yeah. like and it's so, like solidified. Like it, I, I don't think many people have kind of touched him. Frank Ocean, I think, was in that discussion. But I, I think the fact the infrequency with which he releases music kind of you know eliminates him from contention somewhat. If we're talking about longevity, um, in my opinion, <laughs> my thing about the weekend too, and kind of that difference between Bryson is Bryson cannot touch uh, the weekend as far as just from a pure play vocal perspective, mm-hmm. and I think that. The weekend's no, vocals I mean, are just it was, so... it was a lot of a lot of distortion and auto tune on that um on that yeah. trap soul. Let's let's put that out there. Yeah, the weekend just has these beautiful and glistening vocals that if you throw them really over any production, it's gonna sound good because he's so melodic and such a musical basically genius as it is that if he can write anything half decent, it's gonna sound good, whether it be pop or whether it be dark R and B. I think that's where Bryson runs into some problems somewhere is that he's not the greatest vocalist on the no. face of the planet. No. So he has to really make good music, if that makes sense. The weekend can make not great music, but it'll sound really good just based on how good Correct. he can sing. Correct. 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 That's that's a perfect way to say it. Um, I think Brent Fies is falling into that same bucket. I think Frank Ocean falls into yep. that same bucket. Like vocally they are stronger. Um but I think it was the it was the dynamic production on Trap Soul combined with the interesting sounding vocals of Bryson that made that album so good, in my opinion. Yes. Um, and maybe Brent is going to come out with a project that does something similar, and you know, in, the, in this in his second album, but that kind of remains to be seen. But if you're talking about someone who's a little unknown, a lot unknown, and that people need to kind of wake up on. It might be Brent. And also, to bring this full circle, full circle, we listen to, and this is, and also I'll preface this, we don't support Tory Lanez on this podcast whatsoever. I don't like Tory Lanez. Oh, we I don't should really talk about to his Tory. Music. And we are going to talk about him in a second. But Tory Lanez has also, based on what I heard, kind of thrown his hat into the ring of like, okay, this guy isn't bad either. I mean, if you play that song on off Chick State Fives that he had with Chris Brown, it's take. like you can bounce back and forth and not really know who you're listening to, which is kind of crazy. Um, but, and I think that 
honestly, Brent Fires might be in the same Tory Lanez category because I'm thinking six years ago, Tory Lanez was really trying to come up. He was releasing a ton of mixtapes, a ton of music, and the talent was there. He sounds the same way he did then that he does now, but it just took a while for people to kind of get cast on. That might be what Brent is in now. Fortunately, Tory Lanez has kind of ruined his career with this mega yeah. incident. I mean, being a terrible person, yeah, like I don't think he's going to um, ascend to that level now, um, but he was starting to build. It, it took some time, but he was starting to build. Whereas Bryson Silver was kind of an overnight success, Brent Fias might be a long-term grind. And that might just be how it is. Um, but to talk about Tory Lanez, basically he released, you said it was an album or an EP or something so yesterday. Tory Lanez released an hour and six minutes worth of... That's uh, a full project. ...worth of music last night. It is 17 full tracks. He hopped on, I think, Instagram and Twitter yesterday and basically said, I have a big amount announcement at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. People were thinking... He was going to hop on uh, Instagram Live or do something on social media and kind of uh, defend himself. And uh, people were going to be able to uh, judge him for what he had to say. But instead, he seems to have used this incident to leverage an album release, (laughs) which is interesting and incredibly tone deaf. But that's fine. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. And he released this project where... He he tries to defend himself on basically every single track, but the problem is never does he actually say what happened. He just says, I didn't do it for an hour and eight minutes in a row. So R. Kelly released a song called I Admit after all the... uh, after all the allegations came out. It's like OJ writing the book, If I Did Do It. Yes. So RJ... uh, uh, R. Kelly. (laughs) I got confused. Mm, RJ. What did (laughs) RJ do? (laughs) RJ Barrett. <laughs> He's hooping. RJ Hampton? I don't know. I'm going to go back to R. Kelly. But R. Kelly released this track called uh, called I Admit, which was 19 minutes of basically BS about him not doing not doing what, uh, what he was accused of. And the vibes feel so similar between the two tracks. It just is like his was 19 minutes of very – empty music of trying to defend yourself against allegations that you clearly did. And this Tory Lanez tape just feels very empty in that he does not answer any of the questions that have really been posed other than saying, I did not do X, Y, and Z. So he's just, he's digging his own grave deeper based on what I'm seeing. But what do you have to say? Yeah. I mean, I didn't listen to any songs off this project at all. I'm probably not going to because I don't want to support, you know, his streaming numbers or anything like that. I'll just get the offshoot of what other people are saying. Um, And if if that is really the case that he basically used this whole incident to leverage an album release, this is sounding heavy. This is going to be heavy Kanye vibes, um, which tells me that this probably will be the downfall of Tory Lanez. Like, I don't think he's going to become an artist that people like you can't really forget this. This isn't the Chris Brown Rihanna situation like this is worse. Um, he actively shot this g- woman in her foot over probably what just sounds like a disagreement slash argument, um, which is ridiculous. And it doesn't seem like he's going to own up to it or acknowledge it or nothing. Um, he just wants to kind of sweep it under the rug. Um, and with this album, he wants to use this as his shield to do so, um, which is which is terrible. Uh, but it seems like Tory Lanez is a pretty terrible person. So it, it kind of it it's on brand. It's on brand. Um, so, I mean, and that's pretty much all I have to say about it. It's, it's a pretty weak, corny move. It's giving me heavy Kanye vibes, um, which is not, it's never a good thing. Never a good thing when you give me Kanye vibes. So that's, that's that on that for me. Does it get cornier than this? No. <laughs> like in really. all honesty? I mean, 
like music music people who are really I mean I guess R Kelly is also kind of in the same sphere um but other than that like this is probably one of the worst incidents I can think of in the past while <laughs> I mean there's some other like random crazy artists I'm sure that have done some crazy stuff but he he sucks for this one he he stinks <laughs> yeah Tory's done yeah um which I'm fine with that's that's okay I'll go back and listen to maybe some of the old chick tape mixtapes that are on dat piff or soundcloud or whatever um and reminisce on those old Tory Lanez days maybe um probably not honestly because I haven't listened to those projects since I was in high school but um maybe I'll listen to Brent Fies instead <laughs> I'll do that go listen to Brent go give him streams <laughs> go give him streams exactly um yeah so do you want to uh, get into what we've been listening to real quick before we transition I have some some good stuff yes you so, want to go first start us off yeah I'll, I'll start us off so album one of the best albums of the past year I'll say which I just discovered last week is Deontay Hitchcock's I'm better album. Um, or I think it's just called better. I believe um, really, really good. And I mean, really good. Not just like, okay, this is, this, this is a decent project. You should probably listen to it. I mean, this is worth a real sit down and like digest it because he really does have some amazing production for one great lyrical, um, a great lyrical range and, Dyn- dynamism i guess because he, he 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 goes into these pockets and i was saying this to um to alex yesterday this is the problem i have with the logic album that these both these people i kind of put on the same rapping ability tier and you can like they they can do the same things deontay can rap super fast and and do that whole thing he can do the clever wordplay but the the place where he beats logic for me is the depth and the tone and the emotion that he puts into his lyrics. I mean, some of these songs really have a great, a lot of these songs have a great purpose behind them. And just like how we were contemplating religion, he does that a ton on this album. I mean, between that little pocket on, I want to say it was, it might've been flashbacks uh, that he was basically talking to God on that. Um, He was, he was bouncing back and forth playing both roles. It gave me Kendrick Lamar type vibes, the way he did it. I was talking to God, God was like, sup. And I was like, what I was supposed to do when it it gives me that same type of vibe, which is amazing. Um, Anytime you're getting compared to Kendrick, it's obviously a great thing. Right. Um, But I mean, top to bottom, I remember is a great song. I got money with JID. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was about to say, you really like that song. Attitude with Young Nudie. Young Nudie had a solid feature on that, actually, which um, I was a little bit surprised by. Um, How the F with Six Lack. That was actually the song that introduced me to the album. He has a music video to attach with this one. Really good. I mean, really good. Just the things he's tackling, what he's contemplating. It it's giving me it, it's it's honestly giving me like kind of some J Cole vibes in a way. The flows are different for sure. The flows are definitely different, but the content lyrically, it it's strong. It's strong in the, in a very similar way. Angels was a great song. Growing up, Mother God, where he talks about how women are basically the best thing in his life and have been throughout the entirety of it. Shadow Man's interludes, contemplating his demons and the things that he's facing in the mirror. Circles, give me your money. A lot, just a lot of great music on this, top to bottom. I mean, there was no misses on this album, none. Um, which, you know, I love to say that an album had a few misses. <laughs> I even said that about Spilligion earlier, but you we have... We live for a couple misses. <laughs> we live for a couple misses. This is a t- uh, this is an 11-12 song album that is tight, really good to listen to, whether you're, you're tuning in for this, the sonic experience or you're tuning in for the lyrics. Really, really quality. 
And I'm just mad that I didn't hear this sooner because this album has been out for months now. I believe it came out in like March. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was just a pandemic that kind of pushed this thing down and people were like, all right, I don't really care about that right now. Let's let's hear about what this coronavirus thing is. But I I don't think it got really any play, but I'm glad I'm coming back to it now and listening to it. Um, and I posted on one of my story on my story, and my one of my friends was like, "Yeah, actually, this album was really good. I almost forgot about it." And I was like, "Yeah, like this is crazy." Um, so, Dark Horse, uh, I guess you could say, vote for me for album of the year 2020 is Deontay Hitchcock's Better. Really good, and I've got to go back and listen to some of his old stuff because if he's been rapping like this for the past few years, listen, <laughs> listen, it's gonna get real ugly uh, for for some of these people out here. Um, so there's that. Also discovered a new artist, Collaborate, um, a lot more underground than um, Deontay, I would say. Deontay's had, I mean, obviously the Six Locks feature, the Young Duty feature, et cetera. He has some names on there. Um, Collaborate is an artist, I think his first project maybe came out in 2013, 2014, something like that. Um, and not a lot of um, not a lot of play whatsoever, it seems, um, whether it's talking about stream-wise or just general interest from what I've seen. I mean, only like... 380,000 monthly listeners on Spotify to put things into perspective. I, I, I think I know people with more streams on Spotify than that, to be honest with you. Um, but he does have one song that I think is really good. El portal, which came out in 20, uh, 2015. It was a single, um, that was really good. He had his album real person that came out as well. Also very interesting. Um, and he, he's just having a few singles and songs here and there that, that just sound really good. He gives me, early 2016 i'm always comparing things to other things but he gives me early 2015 2016 before the money joey badass vibes that's what he's giving me um that same type of grungy lyrical content i'm supposed to rap i know you know that whole type of thing but in a more it's it's jada kiss but a more modern day interesting digestible version of jada kiss similar to how i almost put joey badass in a similar type of lane um is that really good if you like before the money if you like summer nights um if you like those joey badass projects you're gonna like this um you're gonna like this guy and that single l portal is really good and i gotta go back and listen to his, his album real personal a little bit more um uh it looks like it's about 12 tracks from a quick scroll through so uh, very interesting very interesting he's hungry he has that fire which is great i love artists like that um and i hope he gets some type of opportunity soon because he really has some talent um aside from that uh favorite philadelphia artist well tiara whack and him are kind of fighting for that spot sean smith has dropped a project another uh, one <laughs> another one a short ep uh i think it came out maybe a week or two ago called what is it called it's called new king or something like that i, I gotta yes. look pull it up real quick um really good ep though it has a few songs on there that i really enjoy uh primarily challenger i think that was um probably his best mix of both lyrics interesting production um and content overall till death do us art is the is the name of it um and he has he starts with some really upbeat, fast paced tracks, braggadocious, which I think it was a single he released beforehand, maybe. Ooh, I'm so braggadocious. That has that really kind of interesting production behind it too. Um, Lift Me Up is a great song, Stressing Me, Challenger, Thorn in the Wild. It's 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 a great EP. Um Sean Smith, I will continue to say, is one of the most underrated rappers I've I've come across. I almost put him in that same uh boat as collaborate where it's like, how does this guy only have 14,000 monthly listeners like he's he's more talented than some of the artists that were that that I, we talk about on this show I mean from just a straight lyrical point of view and also content also another rapper that contemplates religion and religious under um undertones a lot on his music 
just the man's impressive. The man's really impressive. And it's it's really a shame that he doesn't get more playtime. So whenever I have a chance to shout him out, I will shout him out. Um, really good artist, really good music. Check him out. Sean Smith, Philadelphia. I'm up. <laughs> and that's, that's my L. <laughs> you're up. You're up. Exactly. That's what I've been listening to. I'm curious to see what you've been listening to. Yeah, I think we should talk about at some point too why artists like uh, Sean Smith don't get the won't they the yes. uh, the spins that yes. they deserve because I think because I don't really know <laughs> the answer to that question why uh, Seven AM by Lil Uzi Vert has millions and millions of streams and Sean Smith's out here getting fifteen thousand uh, fifteen thousand streams so I think that's got to be a topic for a podcast in the future but as far as what what i am listening to now i took a couple notes there was a lot of new music that came out last night so i wanted to touch on basically a little bit of what dropped on uh this past thursday or yesterday so the first Mm. one is a a single called cold by uh chris stapleton of all people Mm. uh really nice string section over over acoustic guitar i think there's basically a violin orchestra that's backing this acoustic guitar which is really beautiful He's one of three country music artists that I basically know. So, I mean, small sample size, but I love the track. I love Count his vocals. Up. Count up. <laughs> Count up. <laughs> yeah, so go check out Cole by Chris Stapleton. Really good breakup song and just really authentic sounding voice, which I like a lot out of uh, lead vocalists. And the next one is Jesse Reyes actually just dropped, what is I think now her double deluxe version of her album before love came to kill us. Cause she already dropped, she already dropped a deluxe like a couple a couple weeks ago. So this is Here comes a double disc. This is another one. She's trying to boost the streaming numbers, but it's, re- I mean, shout out to Jesse, but it's really good. Her album as it stands alone was one of my favorite projects of, uh, of 2020 so far the track that i listened to last night was no one's in the room which is really interesting eerie production that is not really expected from a pop r&b kind of crossover act really interesting 808s as well so go check that group out or go check her out i should say and then the other the other artist is they which is a group composed of uh, producer dante and vocalist drew love who are ramping up to drop what I believe is going to be their second full-length uh, full-length project coming up soon. They recently dropped a single, STCU, with uh, Juicy J. So if you haven't listened to that single or listened to any of the music they've put out in the past, uh, go check them out. And then as far as hip-hop that's dropped last night, Wayne dropped the Carter 5 Deluxe. He dropped 10 new tracks <laughs> on top of the Carter 5. I enjoyed them off a of first listen. I think I got through five of them. I like the Carter Five a lot, so go listen to New Wayne. I don't think it's bad. I think I don't know. Wayne's one of the greatest lyricists to uh, ever breathe on this earth. So I always check out what he has to uh, what he has to drop. And then Floor Seats Two by ASAP Ferg came out yesterday. Mm, made it through that. I didn't, even, I didn't even peep that. Yeah, made it through that entire project. All I have is meh in parentheses next to uh, <laughs> next to Floor Seats Two. So I don't think it was very good. I think his last track with, uh, I think he had Diddy on the last track. I enjoyed. It was mixed really, really weird though. So it kind of took away a little bit from uh, from what the track had to offer. And then Reason dropped a single called Sauce with Vince Staples nice. and just kind of finished, which I liked a lot. In parentheses, I said I like. So that one's got to be that one's got to be I good like. as well. <laughs> I'm meh and I like. Yeah, very simple a, uh, rating system. Yeah, got a great Vince Staples verse on there as well, which I always appreciate. So that nice. is what kind of came out yesterday and what I've been listening to most recently. We're ready to transition. Nice. <laughs> 
Ready to transition. Um, an hour deep. Note, I hope you, an hour deep, we're transitioning. I hope you enjoyed the fun part of the podcast because now it's going to get depressing. Um, so, yeah, let's transition into, I think, the biggest yep. news story from this past week. The charges or indictment or whatever you want to call it. I feel like the legal system doesn't make sense, so I'm not really going to worry about my wording here. You guys know what I'm talking about. The indictment came down for, what were you going to say? Yeah, do you mind if I, I want to just say one thing and then I want to kind of clear the floor for Go you to, uh, to finish the podcast with kind of what you're about to say. Kind of one of the important things that came out today was there was a report that says President Trump is looking to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a, a judge named Amy Coney, uh, Coney Barrett. And all I'm going to say about that is if you're listening to this podcast, please uh, do your due diligence on her and call your call your senator if you have to and have find some way to, uh, to have a constructive conversation to attempt to get this not to uh, to happen there. I don't want to dig into uh, her politics, but all I'm going to say is radically conservative radically catholic and not somebody that we're gonna want uh representing the nation on the supreme court so i just cut yeah i want to throw that one in there but on that note amy coney barrett aka the devil incarnate (laughs) from what you're saying i almost i I mean you 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 tempted me now i feel like i have to to give her a quick google um i I just feel like the look of her is going to tell me all i need to know oh yeah we're in trouble (laughs) we're in trouble she looks like Judge Judy on steroids. <laughs> like she's not going for anything unless it is if it ain't white, it ain't right. <laughs> she just giving me those type of vibes. <laughs> oh man. Oh we are we are we are, we are trouble. We are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how we could talk about this next week because I don't we'll know. We'll talk what, about this next week. I don't week, know yeah. what steps are going to need to be taken, but she cannot Damn, from get RBG that to this. Yeah, there's going to be many things that are going to be repealed, and the rights of millions and millions of Americans are going to be under siege based on, uh, based on if this appointment uh, goes through and if Trump is able to uh appoint her to the supreme court so dude we as a people right now we are waging war on so many different fronts it's like so many fronts it's 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 just like something every day is terrible and you have to figure out a way to stop it like now we got the supreme court justice up for debate and that's just like i said we'll talk about it next week because i don't think i have the brain capacity but what we'll talk about this week is the indictment of the officer because there was only one that actually got indicted for not even for the murder of Breonna Taylor, for the destruction of some drywall in her neighbor's apartment. That's that's what the charge is for. Breonna Taylor's death was not really acknowledged. Um, so long story short, there was three officers. Go ahead. Can we just put that into perspective real quick and then I'm going to let you go. He got charged for the bullets that missed Breonna yes. Taylor. Like Correct. let that let, let that sink in for uh, for one minute. But Correct. go on. Um. So basically, on the, the breakdowns, I've heard a lot of different breakdowns from this. Uh, police officers, if you don't know the whole story um, for Breonna Taylor, some say the warrant was legal. Some say the warrant was illegal. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if it was illegal because police officers do stuff like that all the time um, and then fix it afterwards because who cares about uh, due diligence, right? Um, they came with a some type of warrant, illegal or legal, to the house of Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend, suspecting her boyfriend on either drug charges or other um, 
uh, I guess it's I guess it would be intent to distribute was probably what they were looking for, that he had a large amount of drugs um, on the premises or a large amount of money that was on the premises that they could use as evidence against him in some type of fashion. Nobody even cares about that right now. Honestly, that's just like, that's very much in the backdrop because we don't we don't even know what this dude did, to be honest. I don't know her boyfriend's name. I don't know what he was really like up for uh, contention of. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know about that whole side of things, to be quite honest. But that's basically why they were there. It weren't there for Brianna Taylor. Keep that in perspective. It wasn't her that they were looking for or anything like that. It was her boyfriend, um, someone else that lived in the apartment. Um, apparently the the police say they announced themselves. The boyfriend says they didn't announce themselves. Also, they came in the dead of night, so you know right. that kind of makes it a little hard for me to hear you when I'm not expecting police to kick in my door at you know 11 p.m. or whenever this was. Um, they say they um, they announced themselves. Um, he says they didn't. They bust in the door. Um, he thinks they're intruders. He fires first, as they say. Not necessarily true. Wounds an officer. He gets shot in the leg. Officers return fire in mass. I'm sure. Missed the boyfriend completely. He doesn't have a scratch on him, as far as I know. I don't remember him having any injuries. And instead, shoot and kill. Brianna Taylor, who was sleeping in the room. So, just out of perspective, I'm not sure if Brianna ever woken up out of her sleep. There, I, it seems like from what I hear, she was in the bed sleep and she died in her sleep because she was shot. So, I'm I'm just trying to figure out if they really announced themselves at a level that would have been actually audible to anybody with normal hearing capabilities. Because it's like it it's just not adding up to me, right? It's it's not adding up at all. Also. I mean, when you're getting a warrant for somewhere, I would imagine you would know all of the residents of that house. I imagine you would understand that this is a super sensitive situation and that there's innocent people in this house, right? And that shots, the last resort should be, the last resort should be to open fire because somebody's going to die. And it's probably going to be someone innocent like it was in this case. They say he fired first. I wouldn't be surprised if it was the opposite, right? If he came down with a gun in his hand and they fired at him and then he returned fire because the boyfriend says that's kind of how it happened. Anyway, um, that that's the, that's the case more or less, and of course there's a ton of other minutia attached to it. But we've been waiting on this decision for I think what 190 days or something. I mean, her Long name has time. become a, a rallying cry throughout the world of like, okay, this is wrong. Everybody knows this is wrong. The public is deeming this as wrong. Let's throw them in jail. Like I, I don't really understand what's the the big question here. And the decision comes down that not uh, like not. <sighs> Not anything significant was done, right? Three officers were involved. One got charged, and it was the one that was initially fired by the police force. The other two are on paid administrative leave. So as this is going on, they're still receiving their money. That, you know, is paid for by us. This is great. Um, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. Um, they, they don't have any sort of repercussion or charges attached to them for their role in executing what was basically a no-knock raid, which for whatever reason is actually legal in um, in and was it Louisville, Kentucky, um, which is ridiculous. I don't understand why that's the case in the first place. But overall, I feel like there was a lot of I don't know. I feel like if an, if an actual investigation was done, this wasn't done properly because I feel raids are done all the time in this fashion. Why did this one go so badly? I'm sure they've they've busted down the door of other armed people or suspectedly armed people before. Why was it done in this fashion? Why was it done in, in the dead of night? Why was it done so covertly, it seems? And it just seemed, it, it, and as Stephen A said on his show, it was a powder keg. You have stand your ground laws in the state, and then you also have no knock raids. What is, like, what do you expect to happen, right? 
it's just it's just so ridiculous. So it's it's like the law was setting this up for failure from the beginning. But Brett Hankinson, I believe, is the name of the officer that was charged, and he just got charged with wanton endangerment. I don't. I've watched a, a lot of episodes of Law and Order SVU. I've, I've, I've done a few things in the legal department. I took communication and law in, in college. We took I've communication and law we, in college. We, I've never heard of wanton anything, <laughs> anything as a charge. It seemed like they went back as deep as they could into the oldest, dirtiest, dustiest legal textbook that they could find in the back of you know the louisville courthouses that book and was crusty it was crusty they went all the way back to w and found wanton endangerment it was like yeah we can we can shoehorn this in right yeah we can shoehorn this. yeah 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 we can definitely shoehorn this in yeah that's what they did right and they they went about it that way and charged him with wanton misendangerment something that carries a maximum of five years in prison that's it. Five years for the murder of an innocent person that was not involved whatsoever with this whole no-knock raid. Five years for one of the officers, not all three. Now, I don't really understand. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I just don't understand how the entire Breonna Taylor murder, it's almost like they did, acted like it didn't happen. Like, oh, yeah, she died, but that wasn't really our fault. But it's if if you're the one firing the bullets, if you're the one... If you're the one in the situation that took the life, how is there no culpability? I mean, is it just that? Uh, so if we if we extrapolate this to other circumstances, if the the police are in a shootout with um you know some gunman whatever, and I'm walking down the street and the gunman is I don't know 15 feet away from me in the parking lot, and I get shot in the head and I die, so there there's just no there's no repercussions there's no wow the ex, the the police have to exercise more caution and care in a situation like that this it's just all right you just died that that's it and it's it, it's it's just so ridiculous and the fact that they they it, the charge that they gave him in a way was almost worse than no charge because it, it was it was just the the fact that he shot bullets into the neighbor's house was the problem not the fact that he shot the girl in the bed was the problem i just i i don't understand even if you're just going to charge one of the officers he should be charged with murder you disarmed your weapon you shot someone innocent by mistake whatever it should at least be a a manslaughter charge right it should at least be that which is what the family was looking for they said okay we're not going to get first degree murder or anything second degree murder whatever we're going to go with second degree manslaughter it was an accidental death but it was still enough uh, and, uh, there was still a lack of restraint used, and that cost her. This that fits it perfectly. That's what happened here. Even if it was accidental, you knew other people were in the premises. That's not something you can say after the fact that, oh, well, we didn't know. It, it's it's just the bar for police officers is so low. Like that's what I'm realizing. It's like I could be a better police officer than some of these people, and I have no training whatsoever. But it's just they have no other recourse other than shoot people who don't listen to you, and it's just. What are, what are we supposed to do with that? There's no talking. There's no there's no back and forth. There's no knock on the door. There's no. But it's just it's just nothing basically. It just sounds like they are just a bunch of cowboys running around doing what they want to do under the guise of the law, under the guise of justice. And there's no there's absolutely no repercussions for it. And I don't understand where we kind of go from here because it's like anything can happen. Anything goes. It feels like everything's no hold barred with this. And the thing that really confuses me and and that we still have people who are supporting these police officers 
And I guess I just pose the question because I feel like there's there's always going to be a way you can make an argument for anything. So there's always going to be people who want to take the other tide and want to play devil's advocate and whatever, whatever. But if there were if this the, the roles were reversed and it was three black officers that strolled up to Brad and Mindy's house on a Saturday night, Brad was suspected of, you know, slinging some weed on the side or whatever or, or cocaine, whatever Brad was into. And it was three black officers that kicked in the door, shot at Brad, missed Brad, and shot, you know, 26-year-old beautiful Cindy, who was a police officer. These guys would be under the jail. They wouldn't even be in the jail. They would be under the jail, right? He would be we can, we can all agree on that. It would be thrown in the river. We can all agree that if it was three black officers that pulled up to this house and did exactly what these white officers did, it, it would be – we wouldn't even hear about this story. These guys would be – It'll be done, right? It'll be done. It'll be open open and shut case, Johnson, as Dave Chappelle likes to say on some of his skits. Open and shut case. Easy. But when the roles are reversed, when the roles sprinkle are reversed. Sprinkle some crack on him. Sprinkle, exactly. Sprinkle some crack on him. Open and shut case, Johnson. It like That's the level it would be. That's the level it would be. And it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous that when the roles are the way they are right now, it's just completely different. It's just completely different. You just get a completely different outcome. And I don't understand how you could even argue that what I just said is untrue, that these black people would be given the same protection and and just the layers and layers of assistance from their from their their um, their local government and, and uh, law enforcement that what the uh, that these white officers have been given. It's just it's incomparable. And it's just I don't know. It's just very disappointing. And obviously you have people protesting and there's a lot of anger and vitriol and stuff going on right now. And it's just, you're, I don't know. And it, it more than before, even when, you know, um, Chauvin wasn't, uh, Derek Chauvin wasn't arrested immediately for the death of George Floyd. I feel like this, people feel even more defeated about this. Cause it's just like, dude, like, what are we supposed to – I don't understand what they're supposed to – celebrities, people with power, anyone who had a platform seemed to be saying – anyone with sense that had a platform seemed to be saying arrest the cops that shot and killed Breonna Taylor. It was a wrongful killing. They need to be charged with murder. That was the, the, the rallying cry for the past half year. Like that was what was going on. It just seemed very obvious that would need to be done. And it's just like – even in a super high profile case, the multiple nations looking at us with what's going to happen with this and we still got it wrong. It's and it's just it just goes to show you that justice can be subverted whenever necessary. No matter how cut and dry the case may be, if a police officer comes in and says, "I don't like black people" and shoots me in the head, they're going to find a way to say, "Well, he was actually aiming for the person behind you." Well, we don't have his body cam was off. Well, you know, uh, we we were not sure if it's really a hate crime. It, it, there's no justice basically there is no such thing as justice in this country is what i've come to the conclusion of any semblance of justice that we get is just a convenient offshoot of this justice system happening to make a right decision the system isn't based on doling out actual justice and reparations to the people that deserve it it's just it's a terrible system that was put in place years and years ago and it doesn't it hasn't been updated with the the acuity and the tact that it should have for 2020 and it just fails continuously. So it's never going to provide justice. That's what I've, I've come to the conclusion of. It's not going to change um, unless drastic change happens. Like, I mean, Supreme court justice, like Scott Connie Baird or whatever her name is, don't make it into office. Like it's just the same old people arguing over the same things and making the same incorrect decisions for the past 50 years. 
And it's just like, wow, it's exhausting. It's very, it's very exhausting. The only justice you will find, and I've seen this quote so many people, uh, so, um, so often everywhere, the only justice you're going to find is the one that you fight for and get yourself. Cause it's never going to be given to you ever. Um, and that's all I really have to say, because it's just, this whole situation is just so disappointing. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, this is like, I don't know. And th- this is a completely different circumstance, but this is giving me, this is what people must have felt like when OJ didn't get convicted, right? Like when it was just like, oh yeah, like, no, he didn't do that. It was just some other guy that murdered that innocent person. Um, you know, it, it's just that type of ridiculousness. And you just realize like, wow, our justice system is really inept at making obvious decisions. Like, wow, we suck. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It is really crazy. So that's that's about all I have to say about the situation. Um, like I said, it was the biggest news story from this week, so we we wanted to discuss it. And of course, it it I guess I'm not sure if there's any other possible indictments that can come down with this, or if this is just like okay, this is what he's getting. End of story. Period. I don't know if they're still looking at the case, but with this being what they they release at first, it's like, dude, this is not going in the right direction. So that's a, that's a, that's it for me. <laughs> not sure if you want to add anything to that, or we can just close it out. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have anything to add. I think you, I, I agree with everything you said. Justice is put in place in America for basically white people, the elite and wealthy, and that's the system that it serves. And that needs to change fast or we're going to continue to have problem after problem after problem. And inequality is going to widen and widen. So I couldn't agree more with uh, everything you said. That's been The Transition, episode 28. Thank you for listening. Peace.